Well, the Big D is back with a UFC 286. Uh, we're going to London this weekend, so before I bring in my UFC friend, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. Page, a lot of content, football, free agency, yesterday, UFC, Lord knows what's going to come up next, but check it all out. Please check out the Big D podcast for all your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So I'm back with a UFC 286 preview. Boy, it seems like three days ago we were talking about two eight UFC 285. Billy Ward joining us. Billy, uh, Usman Edwards three this weekend in the UK. Are you ready for this trilogy? Yeah, I guess. You know, this isn't. We've had some really good pay per views, some really good cards, even free cards lately. This one for being a pay per view feels a little underwhelming. Not because I'm not intrigued to see what happens with the trilogy between these two, but they haven't really been the most exciting fights for the most part. You know, it was kind of a slower-paced fight, Usman more or less dominating until the big head kick in the fifth round. So it's not like this is one that's going to be a barn burner we're expecting fireworks the whole way. I actually expect Usman to fight very conservatively here, just try to win the rounds, try to survive because he is the better fighter, right? He's the better all-around fighter. He just needs to avoid those big shots. So, you know, moderately excited, but they're pushing it a little bit with all these pay-per-views. Yeah, maybe too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing because this is already, what, the fourth pay-per-view and it's the middle of March. Yeah, it feels like one too many. You know, they used to always do the two title fights per pay-per-view. This one and the next one are both one title fight pay-per-views. And they both have decent co-main events. We've got Fizia versus Gage the for this one. And then it's Gilbert Burns Mosfidal on the next one, which is more fun than it is interesting because Burns is going to be a ginormous favorite. But yeah, it seems like we probably could have combined 286 and 287. Had, you know, Usman and Izzy on the same card. A couple of rematches, it all would have made sense. But, you know, they're trying to get every dollar out of the fan base that they can. Yeah, if you think back to when Usman Edwards last fought, I mean, just I just pulled it up this morning, and I mean, first off, I think the altitude played a big effect on Leon Edwards and a few of us thought, but uh, Usman, but other than the first round, Usman dominated the fight. He took Edwards to the ground, and it seemed like Edwards could do nothing but just watch the champ, and then fifth round. Oh, head kick from, from I don't know where, Big Ben or somewhere, the English Channel, and Edwards knocked out Usman. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the altitude. Like, obviously, both fighters are fighting in the same place, but Usman trains in Denver, so you wouldn't think it would have been as big of an impact on him. But maybe he was more tired. You know, he was working harder. It's a lot harder to take someone down and keep him down than it is to lie on your back with a guy on top of you so like maybe Usman was working harder was a little bit more tired maybe we'll have a little bit more left in the tank in the fourth and fifth rounds of this one I don't know it will be interesting too of course because now we're going to England where Edwards gets to defend the belt on home turf I don't know how much of a factor that is Usman's probably been there for a couple weeks so it shouldn't be a huge deal but yeah you know a lot of interesting factors at play here the betting lines have moved a good bit towards Edwards compared to the last one Usman was, I think, like close to minus 400 or so coming into the last fight. Only minus 245, minus 250. Kind of feels like a good deal on Usman here. One of those, and especially for DFS, he's under 9,000 for 
the first time in basically forever. So it does feel like, unless you think that head kick is a repeatable thing that Edwards can pull out again, it does feel like we're getting some value on Usman in all terms of speculation here. Yeah, agreed, because uh, usually, especially with Usman, he's been so consistent, and I don't know what it is, but like all the all the UFC champs who've been champs forever have lost recently. I mean, Amanda Nunes lost, but then regained her belt. Valentin Shinchenko lost. Uh, Anasanya lost to mm-hmm. lost to Perea, and then Usman lost in Salt Lake. So it seems like the UFC may be going through a transition, but Us, but I don't expect Usman to be down for long. And maybe it was just Leon Edwards' one shiny night. Oh, one shiny yeah, night. I think that's probably more likely. And I, and I do think you're right in terms of there's kind of a shift here. Some of these guys into their guys and girls in Shevchenko's case, they're getting up in their mid thirties. They're not quite as sharp as they once were. They're not quite as hungry. I just don't think Edwards is the guy we're going to see hold the belt for two, three, four years, the way we've seen past champions. Welterweight has a lot of intriguing prospects coming up. We just saw Shavkat fight Shavkat Rachmanov a couple weeks ago. He'd probably be a favorite over Edwards right now. If Hamzat can ever get his stuff together and actually make 170, get back in the cage, I don't know what's going on with him. He'd probably be a favorite over Edwards. Even Gilbert Burns, who we're seeing fight Masvidal on the next pay-per-view, that's probably a pretty close one. He's a couple years younger. It just it does feel like Edwards just got the right matchup at the right time, was able to survive the ground, and then land the shot. The interesting thing for me here is I don't know if we're going to see Usman go a little bit harder to finish Edwards on the ground this time, just to avoid that. Or flip side, he's just going to play it even safer just to make sure he doesn't get knocked out at the end. My guess would be B. He's a very safe, calculated fighter. Very reminiscent of GSP at the tail end of his career where he's not really trying to dominate people. He's trying to do enough to win and keep his belt, or in this case, regain his belt. But that'll be the intriguing thing. For DFS, play both of them. Like, you know, we only got the one title fight. Usman scored, and you reminded me of this, 98 points in his loss against Edwards last time. So even when he loses, he puts up huge DFS scores. He just has such a high work rate. There's no getting away from him. I believe the last time they fought, even for tournaments, you needed both the guys to uh, win tournaments. So you can certainly play them both together. Definitely going to play them both together in cash and probably go with Usman in most of your tournament lineups because even when he loses, still a pretty good score. Obviously, in this fight, we know Usman's such a great wrestler. We know he's going to look to take down Edwards, and we know Edwards would try and keep this fight on the feet and try and, and try and more or less contain or maybe try and hit Usman with some, with some big shots, particularly those leg kicks, because thinking of leg kicks, Edwards did hit Usman with a couple decent leg kicks before the head kick late in the fifth round, so... One guy's going to look to take it down. The other guy wants a standing fight. So, Lord, I mean, I don't think Usman will. Want, I don't think Usman would want one leg kick potential, one dangerous leg kick from Edwards. If that means we get twenty five minutes of a boring, crappy fight, so what? If you're Usman, yeah, I don't. U- Usman's not going to try to take him down. Usman's going to take him down. Whether he keeps him there and what he does with it on the ground is the bigger question. And we've seen a lot of fighters who are coming from striking backgrounds or other things 
they've learned that it's a lot easier to get back up and to survive the ground than it is to stop the takedown in the first place. And that's what Edwards did with Usman. He did a good job when they were on the ground. He was never really in danger of being finished. He was never really in danger of being tapped out. So I think we'll see more of that. It's just a matter of what Usman can do with those takedowns, whether he can rack up a lot of control time and stay safe. Or again, you know, does he play it a little bit more aggressively knowing how dangerous Edwards is, and then it might make more sense to just try to get him out of there rather than just hang on for 25 minutes. I mean, if you're Edwards, if you're Edwards, uh, if you're Edwards, I think in this fight, you want you want this standing as much as possible, right? Because then Usman, because if Usman keeps taking it down, it's the it's the uh, old repent, rent, <laughs> excuse me, uh, it, it's the, uh, here we go again, but I think if you're Edwards, you'd rather you'd rather did this fight on the feet than because it's not going to be a question of whether Usman takes you down, it's whether he grounds and pounds you, which is something I think he could have done more in the last fight. Yeah, obviously Edwards wants it standing up, but we're kind of glossing over that Edwards is necessarily a way better striker. Like, do we even know that that's true? Looking at their entire careers. I'm not sure if that's true because Usman can finish there too. Right. You know, so that's what makes it tricky. It's not like he's clearly better on the feet. He's probably a little bit better. Certainly, you know, has more finishes that way, but I don't know. So, yeah, it's just, it feels like everyone's overreacting a little bit towards, you know, a fluky 10 second exchange in their last fight. Because we've seen him fight two times. Usman's largely dominated the prior eight rounds before that minute, you know, it doesn't seem like we should expect anything too different this time, but you never know. You know, he's a little bit older coming back from his first ever knockout that can sometimes mess with people, but my money's going to be on Usman. I'm going to have a lot of him in DFS and yeah, like him at the odds and the price. Yeah. You told me we get Usman in the two hundreds instead of plus three fifty plus four hundred sign me up. Mm-hmm. So, um, unlike some pay per views we've seen, there all there's only one championship fight, but the co-main is still intriguing. Between, let me see, Rafael Fisev. Why do I always get the Russian guys and Justin Gaethje? Yeah, you know these are two intriguing lightweights. This is an interesting one. You talked about, you know, earlier a little bit of a changing of the guard with champions. I think we're starting to see it in lightweight because for the last few years, we've had the older crop of exciting money fighters kind of at the top, but not quite champions in Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, uh, those type of guys. And now we're starting to see the Fiziavs of the world. Benny Darius is fighting Charles Oliveira coming up. Some of these younger, fresh fighters and lightweight is just so crazy deep. Like in any other division, these two would be fighting for a title shot. But we know the next title shot's probably going to either Oliveira or Dariush, unless Volkanovski gets a rematch at 155. So this one's really intriguing in terms of rankings. Also, you know, I said I'm not that excited for the actual fight between Usman and Edwards. Polar opposite in this one. Gaethje just comes out and brawls. Great leg kicks. Other than that, he's just trying to take your head off. Fiziev is, he was the striking coach at Tiger Muay Thai for a long time. Some of the best Muay Thai in the world, crazy highlight knockouts, you know, spinning wheel kicks and all kinds of crazy stuff. This one should be a brawl back and forth. Two guys just swinging leather at each other, all kinds of exciting strikes and flashy attacks. 
also very excited to see how this plays out. You know, can Fiziev take that step into the clearly into the top five, put himself in the title picture? If he beats Gaethje, he certainly does. But and Fiziev's a fairly fairly uh, strong favorite here. He's about the same odds as Usman for what it's worth. I mean, do you? It feels like to me that Gaethje, that Gaethje's been a little bit. I wouldn't say bad luck, but it seems like he fights all these great fighters at the worst possible time. Like he fought Khabib, he fought Oliver. Like he always seems to get the tough end of the draw, right? And now he's got this young. And now he's got this of one of these young hot, hot shots. I mean, to a degree. So he got Habib's last fight, which Habib obviously went out in his prime, which was pretty rare. But before that, he fought Donald Cerrone and Tony Ferguson, both who were kind of on the aging side. So I hear you, but that's only been recent memory. So he fought Habib for the title, lost, beat Michael Chandler in a total brawl. That was a fun fight. Clearly beat Michael Chandler. Another older guy, though, right? This was not prime Michael Chandler. And then lost to Charles Oliveira. And what was also an awesome fight, you know, Gaethje tagged him a few times, followed him down. We don't need to get into all that one. But I I hear you based on the last couple. But, you know, he's had his easier fights in the past. This is a good one. This is what the Gaethje's and Chandler's employees should be doing. They should be testing themselves against these young up-and-comers instead of just trying to fight each other over and over. We've got Gamrat, Sarukian, Dariush, Fiziev, and I could keep going from there. So this will be an interesting one. Like, can Gaethje hold on for the slightly older guys for another couple of years, or is it time to start making some other big names at lightweight? And, you know, for what it's worth, I don't think I'm going to bet Fiziev at his odds just because this is a huge step up in competition for him. You know, he beat Rafael Dos Anjos, another older guy, Brad Riddell before that. Cool, but, you know, not super tough fights. And, you know, the price point's a little bit tough for him on D- DFS and in terms of gambling. Yeah, when I saw when I saw that, I saw those odds. I'm like, give me Gaethje all the way because he's been he's fought the top guy. He's fought the top guys, and it's different when when you're like sneaking when you're like under radar. Now he's taken now Fitzer's taking a big step up against Gaethje, who's fought against some of the best 155 pounders. Yeah, and from a DFS standpoint, Fiziev is very exciting, but doesn't grapple at all. And we know you either need quick knockouts or takedowns to put up a big score. He's only topped 100 points once, and he's got more than one knockout. It's just hard to rack up enough points with striking to justify his 8,800 salary when you've got Usman at 8,900, who, you know, Usman in his one loss has scored more points than all but one of Fiziev's wins. So, like, you know, it's it's really hard to justify that salary, especially if things get tight on a deep card like this. Agree, and uh, I don't think Gaethje is a bad play at seventy four hundred either, right? If you want to get, I don't know if it's contrarian value, but I think Gaethje could win a decision here too. Yeah, I mean it's almost a similar problem with Gaethje from a cash standpoint. I agree with you; he's a little bit tough for tournaments because he's also not going to grapple. I really don't see him knocking out Fiziev, like you said, he could win a decision. That's not necessarily ideal for GPPs, but of course, when you get a 7,400 winner, you're not going to complain if he gets 70 or 80 points instead of 120. So I hear you. I doubt I'll be getting to either guy that much in GPPs just because the styles don't lead to a ton of points, but for cash, yeah, I'm with you. 
Uh, speaking of catch, uh, how do you, uh, who do you think is the one fighter outside the championship and co-main event fights you're looking to get? Because, uh, I'm think if I read, if I'm looking at you, I'm reading your mind. I think there's a certain fighter you definitely want in this, on this card. Uh, who's that? Let me know. Cause I, I'm not all that confident in anyone yet. Uh, Mohammed Mok. Uh, wait. Uh, Mokayev. Mo- Mohammed Mokayev. Yeah, you know, obviously he he checks all the boxes of what we're looking for, right? He's world class grappler, so he racks up a ton of points. You know, he's averaging over 120 points per fight. He's fighting a UFC debutant, Brazilian guy. Usually that means good grappling, but they're kind of willing to accept the takedowns and play off their back. You know, Mokayev has 18 takedowns in three fights. Didn't even get any in his first fight because he locked up or he got a knockdown and a guillotine right away. So, obviously, a great play. 9,700 is a lot, though. You know, like, if you're going to play him, you got to hope that some of the other big favorites don't come anywhere near his score because that puts you behind the eight ball. For Cash, he's certainly the cheapest fighter or the safest fighter. So, I get that. I actually really like Jake Hadley at 9,300. He hasn't looked great, but Malcolm Gordon's a good matchup for him. There's some other expensive fighters, probably not going with Juju Miller at 94. But on the women's side, Casey O'Neill at 8,500 feels pretty cheap because she's actually averaged more points than Mokayev. She's topped 100 four straight fights, or top 110 in each of those. Pretty aggressive, gets takedowns, can get knockouts as well. I think she's probably a better the best points per dollar option here. Yeah, I, I was thinking I was thinking the Casey O'Neill because look at her card. She's she's racking up she's racking up points. And as we saw last week with the uh can't think of the eighty three hundred dollar fighter who was basically a must play in catch. Well that was because there's a short notice thing that made it a little different, whatever. But this is also one of those where I try to think like the matchmakers or think like the UFC. O'Neill is from Scotland, right? So from the UK. She's fighting 34-year-old Jennifer Maia, who's been around a while, never really did anything super noteworthy. She fought Shevchenko, but that went how you expect. His, you know, won two of her last five against lower-level competition. This fight is to make Casey O'Neill look good. This fight is to try to get people to know who Casey O'Neill is and build her up in the flyweight rankings, right? Like that's why they're doing this fight. I'm surprised that her line is as close as it's going to be. It's already started to move a little bit. She was minus 180 yesterday on FanDuel, now minus 192, for example. I think it'll continue to go that way. So, you know, come Friday when I'm writing my article, when she's minus 215, minus 220, that 8,500 will feel like a steal. Because you think 85 when she's... I think she could be a bigger favorite than that, depending on how much mon- how much money the Brits have put in, because I think she could be in the mid two. 20s and 8500 that is a steal yeah if it goes that way of course and and that's what's interesting about mma is the betting lines are not nearly as efficient as they are with something like basketball or football where if you see an nfl team favored by six or seven that's usually probably pretty darn close you know there's surprises but that's the likeliest outcome mma we're taking a lot of guesses here we don't have the sample size Fighters get better and worse at a much faster rate than, you know, athletes in team sports who play 80 sometimes a year or 16 or whatever. So it's just a different game. But she's 25, 9-0 and as a pro, has won four straight. This this fight is to make her look good, right? So we have to think about why they would do that. 
similar idea with Mokayev, except Mokayev costs 1200 more. Or if you're betting on him, he's, you know, minus 800 instead of minus 180, which makes it a little bit tougher. Okay, so uh, with this fight taking place in the UK, uh, I just wanted to uh, hear from you, Billy. Uh, who is some of your favorite MMA UFC fighters from the UK? Hmm. All, all time, and you yes. might not know this reference, Dylan, but do you know who Lee Murray is or was? Uh, Not off the top of my head. He is most famous for orchestrating the biggest bank heist in England history and then escaping to Morocco for a little while before he got extradited back. But he was a killer. Like, he was just destroying people, just tough street kid from there. Also famous for a brawl with Tito Ortiz outside of a nightclub where he knocked out Ortiz and some of his friends. Fought Anderson Silva at one point in Cage Cage Warriors. I think he made it to the UFC for, like, one fight, so I'm cheating a little bit here. But he was kind of like a proto-Anderson Silva type, like very good striking, big, strong dude. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's probably my top one. I was a big Paul Craig fan. I know that's not England specifically, but UK. feel like we've kind of seen the best of Paul Craig, but just a weird, weird guy. Like he came out super intense and got in your face, and then he pulled guard, but then he would break your arm off and try to beat you with it. So it was a weird mixture of things. Really liked him. That's just coming off the top of my head. How about you? Uh, I can I can remember Michael to count Bisping because he wouldn't shut up. Bisping, like I like Bisping well enough. I actually love him as a commentator. I think he does a really good job. Just never the most exciting fighter, in my opinion. He, yeah, because yeah, because it seemed like all his fights went to decision, except except when uh, Mister Knockout Artist KO'd him at UFC one hundred. Yeah, and he he was a striker without huge power, which is not ideal, obviously. But, I mean, we got a ton of up-and-coming Brits these days. Like, that's why they keep going back there. But you can see on the card, there's one in almost every fight. Or not necessarily British, but UK. You got Jai Herbert, JoJo Wood, Jake Hadley. Two guys both named Chris Duncan. Separate oh, gosh. Oh, no. There's Christian Duncan from England and Chris Duncan from, I believe, Scotland. So, you know, they got a lot of talent. Sam Patterson making his debuts on Contender Series last year. Jack Shore, the Welsh guy. Casey O'Neill, we talked about. Gunnar Nelson. That's the fight before the co-main. Actually, a really fun fight. Gunnar Nelson's been around a while. He's only fought once in like three years. Really, really high-level grappler. He beat Jeff Monson in a grappling match when he was like 20. And he's a welterweight. We got If people don't know, Jeff Monson is a huge man. He's like 280 pounds. So this, you know, 20-year-old welterweight beat him at one point. He's fighting Bar- Brian Barberina. Barberina, not the most skilled fighter, but, like, has never been in a boring fight in his life. So that should be a fun one. Yeah, don't forget, and don't forget the guy I really wish could be at this fight, but Patty Pimblin. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Patty guy. I think he's a little bit, he's not as skilled as he is hyped, if that makes sense. You're saying he's like a. You're saying he's he's a less boring Conor McGregor, maybe. I wouldn't quite say because Conor McGregor was legitimately one of the best fighters in the world for a time, and he's his celebrity has outlived his ability in McGregor's case. But Pimblet, he, I mean, he lost to Jared Gordon. I know what it says on Tapology, but he lost to Jared Gordon. He's not, you know, probably ever going to be a champion. We just talked about how crowded lightweight is. Imagine Patty Pimblet fighting. 
Raphael Fazeev, Justin Gaethy, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, um, Benil Darius, Charles Oliveira, like the list goes on. He'd get smoked by any of those guys, right? So it's it's more hype and entertainment value than it is. We really think this guy's one of the best. All right, uh, before we conclude, uh, I do want to talk about how DraftKings has made DraftKings has come out with uh, Rainmakers, where uh, if you play DFS like either one or, like we do, I mean, last year DK came out with NFL Rainmakers codes, which ended up being a big hit because got because you could get like all these codes to win big giant amounts of money. But the DK has come out with um, Rainmakers cards where you can get a whole bunch of cards based on events or an event. So, Billy, uh, could you uh, explain the success or maybe lack of success you've had with Rainmakers? Yeah, I've, I've done pretty well in it. I, I kind of lucked into it. They started it last year as kind of like a beta test thing, and you could buy packs for specific events. And I bought one pack for an event a pack gets you a full lineup. And I think I bought like one other card to swap somebody out. And the pack was 30 bucks. And I think I cashed for like seven fifty, So I had 40 or 50 in, and that was kind of my rainmakers bankroll, but I'm going to try to give a somewhat succinct overview on how it works. Cause it's weirdly complicated, but you get cards, just they're NFTs, right? So you get your, these NFTs of fighters. Some of them you can use all year. Some of them are used for a specific event only. Obviously the ones you can use all year cost more. And the fun part for me is trying to time the market on some of those guys. So, like, I bought a Bo Nickel card well before his fight was announced. That went up. I could have made more money selling the card than I actually got out of the lineup I used it in. So it's a little bit like a stock market in that way because you're trying to figure out not only who's going to get fights they can win, but who's going to get a lot of fights this year. So I think younger fighters, Mokayev, Bo Nickel, um, Raul Rosas is another one. These guys are going to try to stay pretty active versus, you know, you buy a Henry Cejudo card, he's probably only going to fight the one time. Weirdly, looks like we're going to get two John Jones fights this year, but I wouldn't expect a third. Stuff like that, that cost-benefit is one of the things. And then after that, it's just a DFS lineup. The only difference is it's five fighters with a captain instead of six. So your captain gets one and a half times the scoring, but if you own the card, any card can be your captain. A lot of good contests. I think it's a lot of fun. You know, the packs usually sell out, so there's a drop today at noon if you want to get in on some. Just buying one pack gets you a full lineup. You can enter it in. Yeah, I think I'm skipping a lot of it. They also give out money on a weekly and monthly basis for whoever holds the most cards. There's like a leaderboard of how many cards you have and how much they're worth, and you get rewarded for that too. So that's a big part of trying to make a profit on it is just keeping these cards so then you can get the payouts from DK when they do the snapshots. That probably didn't make any sense in that quick of a time frame because it's very hard to learn and it took me a couple months. But yeah, that's the gist of it. I mean, is it? I mean, is it worth spending for a couple hundred bucks and like getting Rainmakers cards? Are you better off doing that for spending the money for DFS lineups? It depends. I think if you're gonna get into it, it's still somewhat early in the year. If you're gonna spend at least a few hundred and get yourself on the leaderboard where you get payouts every week and every month it's probably worth it i wouldn't do it if you're just going to buy a couple just for an event because if you don't win that event those cards are useless right so if you're going to do it i would buy they call them the genesis cards and there's some other ones that can be used all year try to look into those 
a lot of this, I made some money early in the year just looking at the farthest off pay-per-view that had fights announced and buying some favorites on those and then selling them for five or ten bucks more as we got closer to the fight and people were trying to build lineups. So you can actually make decent money on it without even ever really playing the contest. Just, you know, you pull up, they got UFC, I don't know, 290 is probably the most recent one announced. And that's Jones versus Miocic. So those cards are already popular. But you'll see, you know, they'll announce on the undercard of some pay-per-view that some, you know, huge favorite is going to be minus 900 on the fight. Buy up a few of their cards. Just hold on to them for a couple months. Then the week of that fight, they'll go up 5, 10, 15 bucks. The Bo Nickel I was talking about before his fight was announced, I bought it for 55. They were selling for like 140, 150 the week of his fight. So if you're willing to do that and put in the work and track these fight announcements and buy up the big favorites early, could definitely still make money on it. But yeah. I think it's just another way people people can have fun and make a little dope because I mean, whether it's Rainmakers, DFS, sports betting, or best ball, people love people love to play and it's and if you get one of these bit and if you one of your rainmakers lineups hits, you sit you sit and put. Yeah, and the big thing is there's there's no salary cap on the contest. It's just what card you own. So you kind of have to be willing to commit enough money to buy you know five favored cards, and that depends on the rarity tier. If you're doing a core contest, you can probably get out for ten or fifteen bucks with all favorites. But, you know, if you're not willing to really buy the cards you need or buy enough packs that you're likely to get one, it's probably not worth playing the contest. But again, it's like a stock market. You can make money just flipping the cards. And that's honestly been the more fun part of it for me is trying to buy undervalued cards, see when they get a fight announced, and then see their price spike and resell. I've been doing that a lot more than I've been playing in the contest as of late. All right, Billy. Thanks for hopping on. We wish you well, and hopefully UFC 286 is profitable for uh, your bets, cards, and more. <laughs> oh, no. Got, got too many irons in the fire here, but it's fun. See you, Dylan. Thanks for having me.